Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the NSL's podcast. My name's Stephen, the host of the NSL's podcast, and I'm joined by my deadly duo partner, Francis. How are you? I'm all good, all good, Stephen. Back up from London, back in the house again, so all good. All good, man. And we're joined, we have company of a show <laughs> regular. How are you, William? I'm very well, mate. Glad to be back on. <clears throat> Good. I mean, used to. So am I. Duo is a, a trio now. I mean, Ross yeah. joined us. That was the crowd. Now William's in, so it's an even bigger crowd. But we'll <laughs> we'll crack on. And the, the good news is football is back. Club football is back in the weekend. But Gosh. before before we touch upon that, obviously Scotland were involved in some crucial games. William, uh, the win against. Israel, and then the, the followed up by the win against the Faroe Islands, which kind of puts them in a great position for the second place spot for the the qualifications from to the World Cup, and the, they're seeded as well if they get to that. Is so that's a good thing. But coming to yourself, me and Francis talked about this in the last show, in terms of the international break and what it meant for Scotland. How did you feel as a Scotland fan with them fixtures? Do you think this is kind of nailed on the second spot? Yeah, I think so. Now uh, the Israel game was massive. Uh, I know international football is not for everybody, but for me, it's I've touched on it loads, loads before. It's a massive, massive fan of it. I think to represent your country is the the biggest accolade you can get in sport in any sport. Uh, so f- for us to see uh, the team doing well over the past few years under Clark, um, we don't do it easy, but uh, the, the, it was fantastic. The last two games, I've thoroughly enjoyed it and. It's just that all we need now is a win over Moldova, who are rock bottom of that group. I think they've had one point in the eight games and conceded about 28 goals. So no doubt we'll get pumped five and a half off them and need to beat Denmark away, uh, Denmark at home to get through. So, But uh, I, surely we've got to do it now. And, and you would imagine, uh, hopefully, we get through the playoff and and back to the promised land again in another World Cup after after making the Euros, uh, being away for um, a major tournament for so long. It's just great time to be to be a Scotland fan yeah as you said follow up with the Euros to the World Cup I think that'll be every Scotland fan's dream wouldn't it and just everything from us guys at the NSL's podcast well done to Scotland they're in a great position and we do hope they go on to qualify but as I said at the top of the show club football's back our priority Celtic Football Club visit Fair Park against Motherwell on Saturday Francis and we have alluded to this over the last couple of the podcast but every game now is a must win I mean Dropping points at any stage for Celtic's a disaster, but even more so in terms of the start we made, especially our away form. One away to Aberdeen. Many fans believe that could be a springboard, but me myself, I'm a bit more pessimistic in terms of what it could actually mean. Aberdeen were, were poor that game. I think the game in general was poor. And we're going into the Fair Park game, one win and three away games. Still isn't good. It's not good enough as a Celtic fan or the, the, the players playing for Celtic need to improve in that form. But get into the game, how are you feeling? I'm actually feeling pretty confident, Stephen. Like, if you go back the sort of 10 or 12 days before you play Aberdeen, we'd have probably been looking at our next three uh, fixer away from Aberdeen, Motherwell, and Hibs all the way going, but have you got to win any of these games? And you would have maybe said, you, you could have made an argument for not winning any of them. But I think the Aberdeen game, it's got the monkey off the back. It's Postacoglu's first domestic away win. Uh, and then. The manner of the win, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but it's it showed that Postacoglu can adapt and play, like, win a game ugly, I feel like. So I'm hoping it gives us a wee bit of a boost to going into the Motherwell game and 
So saying, well, I've got a wee bit of confidence. It's always good going into an international break on the back of a win as opposed to a disappointing defeat. Ideally, after that Aberdeen game, you'd have obviously wanted to be sticking to league football, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident going into it, Stephen. Just, I think the players will take a lot of confidence well at Aberdeen game. I think as well, another thing to point out, <laughs> I mean, this is no disrespect to Motherwell, but William, their pitch has grass now. And for years and for years and years, the, the, the surface at Fair Park's been atrocious. And as Francis said, after that Aberdeen game, you're hoping to stay in club football, but the break does it break up momentum in terms of what, what we can achieve at Fair Park. And I hate speaking like this as a Celtic fan because a game like this should be no disrespect to the game, but easy to win for Celtic. I don't get the whole notion. And I said to you guys before that it's a transition, therefore it's an excuse to lose away or drop points away or lose at home, vice versa. I think Celtic should be strong enough and capable enough to beat teams in the SPL. Every team, really. I think the Rangers teams per this season, we need to take advantage of that. But these are the games that are fatal at Wedderford Park in terms of picking up points, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I'm feeling like, like Franny, fairly confident. I thought uh, I don't think it mattered how we won it at Aberdeen. And if anything, um, it's shown us a different side to the team, like Franny's saying. It's, um, I think if we went out and won 5 nothing, it wouldn't have shown us as much as what we did grinding out the result. Uh, I think at that position, at one each, at the tail end of last year, I don't think we would have went on to win that game. The heads would have went down, but keep persisting, keep moving forward. Uh, I think that national breaks come at a decent time, to be fair. I think the, the squad is wearing a bit thin, so uh, and a, a week or so for, for the guys that are recovering to come back. Uh, and I expect us to be ready to go on Saturday and, and get a comfortable three points. Well-needed three points. Uh, it is well-needed. I mean... To climb up the table, just looking at it now, Motherwell are in fourth and on 14 points, we're second on 13 points. And even saying that, it's a bit drastic, isn't it, Francis? And as, as William says, as actually as both say, the confidence needs to be there to go into these games. And obviously, off the back of Scotland's form in the uh, in the, the World Cup qualifiers, you've got the likes of McGregor and Turnbull coming back into the team. And then you've got Beton coming back in, albeit his Israel, t- Israel side had a bad time against Scotland. But do you think, in terms of the break, it can be good for the players left there to focus on Postacoglu's style because we've seen the likes of Giamakis come in, Jada will be still at the training ground, even 10 days, wherever it was, the bed them in even more, plus the guys coming back. It can only bode well, can't it? I mean, you'd like to think so. I mean, some of these guys may have got a couple of days off at this, after the Aberdeen game just to say, like, go away, chill out and stuff, then come back, then we'll do a week of training with all these guys away. So you've got, it's another week with uh, guys like Yakimakis, Yota, and some of maybe I don't know if guys like Michael Johnson that come back, Julian, how fit he is to be back at training. So it, it's sort of a, it's more time to sort of a, impose your philosophy in that on the team, how you want to play without actually having to worry about the a game as such as maybe sort of a planning for a team and stuff and thinking too much about. Uh, maybe set pieces you can more work on the shape where where you want to be on and off the ball and stuff so I well it's maybe as a good point you're making there with the international break maybe has came at a good time and stuff so I, it should give you a good chance to make to to get like your guys that went away in international duty and some of the the guys that were coming with injury because I don't know if Juranovic actually went away with Croatia or not I don't know how his injury was to allow him to do that so it gives guys 
time to come back and Scales unfortunately went away and never got a game so he'll still not be ready for a game. I, I, I see that whole Liam Scales thing. I seen that today that he went all the way to was a Qatar that I remember uh-huh. playing. So all the uh-huh. way over there, William for for a game and he didn't doesn't get played. Unnecessary travel. I mean again the time differences within the, the two countries must be drastic. I'm I'm not an expert and not someone can correct me, but do you not think that, that we've discussed this previously, but see them international breaks, see for the players who aren't actually going to physically play, do you think they should actually travel? Because if you're going to Qatar, it was a friendly as well. Surely he should get some minutes in his legs. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um I mean I suppose it's down to the it's down to the club and the national team to, to discuss that. But again, yeah, back up the wrong to you and me, international football. For me, if I was a player, I'd be wanting to go even if I, I wasn't guaranteed a start, I'd be wanting to go and try and prove myself and and get in that squad. So I, I would be going every every game. But I do I, I do understand what you're saying. Uh, flying all that way for hee-haw and coming back. Uh, especially the likes of Scales, who's, he'll be looking to break in the side. So, you know, at, at 10 days back at home with, with, with Postacoglu, getting to see what he can do, uh, might have boosted his chances. Especially seeing as at left back, we're, we're a bit shorter now. Um, so yeah, I do hear where you're coming from, but international football, it's it's part and parcel. That's that's, that's what it is. It's, it's modern day. It is modern day. Like it's it's, but it's a bit drastic to be travelling to Qatar for a football match. But see, touched upon the game, Franny. In terms of like, we go into obviously off the back of the tournament as we alluded to, but going to Fair Park. There's been some cracking games in that. There's there's a four four as well. And do you think it's going to be an entertaining game? Because by all accounts, Graham Alexander they were on a good a good run. I think it was six games unbeaten. Tony Watts been scoring goals, and it's good to see him actually scoring goals because he had a lot of potential. Celtic, and I think that goal against Barcelona kind of I don't know not ruined his career for Celtic, but it kind of got his head in in a way. But are you expecting an entertaining fixture? Uh, well, I thought that I'm. I don't know if saying I don't want it to be entertaining is a good thing, Stephen, because I, I want it, like most games, I want it to be drama-free Celtic games. Nice wee two, comfy 2-0 two wins would do me to the end of time, if you like. Anything after that's a bonus, I guess. But it's got the potential to be an entertaining game. If we if Celtic can get the ball down playing and Kyogo's on form and stuff, we all know we could, we could score, a, score quite a few goals and stuff, and we are a wee bit suspect still defensively so uh, there's a chance as conceding goal so I, I think sort of every Celtic game the now as much as we haven't played great lately we've not really done the high press and that it was actually I think it was the 11th game when we were in the pub me and William and William actually mentioned it then how we can't actually remember the time we actually the last time we've done that but so uh, it has got the potential now, but I, I think you could sort of say that for Celtic the now and every game it's got the potential to be a brilliant game because Postacoglu wants to go sort of a all out attack and but it leaves us a bit suspect at the back as well we were we are still questions are still asked there so I'm hoping it's fairly drama free Stephen but it has as I say just the way Celtic are now it has got the potential to be entertaining for the neutral shall we say drama free and Celtic in the same sentence never heard it before <laughs> But yourself, yeah. William, what kind of game are you expecting? Uh, yeah, I'd imagine there'd be goals. Um, like Franny said, we've, we've looked shaky at the back. Um, every time there's a ball over the top and Starfield's there, I, I, I'm, I'm frightened to death. Uh, and this, this set-piece situation is 
most definitely not going away either. So we are suspect to, to ship in a goal. Fortunately, we've we've looked very good going forward. So um, as long as the guys produce, I would imagine that we um, we should come away with the win. But yeah, it could be it could be anything, isn't it? We've we've had all sorts of scorelines this season for six nils to to nil nils and all sorts. So um, yeah, it could it could be a matter. Uh, it could be any any scoreline. But I would imagine I, I would I would say Motherwell are going well. But I'd I'd say we'll we'll score a few goals. I know we'll go to predictions later on, but I, I, hopefully we can score a few goals. I hope there's not any international hangover. Like you say, it's it's not just scales going away. Whenever Kyle goes away, it's away the other side of the world and Rogic and, and Co as well. So uh, hopefully there's no hangover for that because um, the squad is still fairly thin. But uh, there should be there should like you say, Stephen, there should be more than enough in the tank, even if they're, we're playing fringe players to to put teams like with, with the most respect with like Motherwell's Motherwell away. So um, yeah, looking forward to seeing the, the hoops back in action on Saturday again. Definitely, are. I'm glad you mentioned Kugler. He actually scored a winning goal against Tom Rodgers Australia, so I'm sure he'll be bouncing with confidence. And Rodgers maybe not not so, but <laughs> see that again at Fair Park. But look. Celtic and rumours, Twitter especially, goes mad. And over the last couple of days, I mean, ever since we talked about it on the podcast about the takeovers and in terms of the Newcastle day, where they became de facto richest club in the world by billions and billions of pounds. And there's been a rumour slowly drip-fed into the Twitter sphere. And I'm sure some Celtic fans are aware of it, some are not. And it, it is, I don't, I don't know if it's concrete or whatever. I've seen people say, Rebel, Rebel, who are kind of owners of Red Bull Salzburg and RB Leipzig in Germany and Austria respectively. But coming to yourself, Franny, in terms of this rumour about Red Bull potentially investing in Celtic in some sort of capacity, would you think that would be a good thing? I've seen people obviously say they're interested in naming rights of the stadium, the change name of the club and the crest and things like that. But what what would be your take on it if it was concrete? Well, I, I was probably similar to what I was when we sort of uh, were hypothetically speaking about your big oil rich guy coming in and buying Celtic. Morally, I would like it like to say I wouldn't be happy with Stephen, but I think anybody that's willing to put money into Celtic, I would I would probably welcome them regardless of who it is. It's sort of uh, the fickleness of a football fan. It's well, we tend to let something slide when they're doing putting money in a club, and that I would. Obviously, it's hard to talk too much about it because, yeah, it's a rumour. We don't know at what sort of a level they want to invest. Like, I don't believe we'll ever become, like, Red Bull Celtic. Maybe it has <laughs> just got to be a shirt sponsor. Will we get naming rights to the stadium? Possibly. Possibly could get naming rights to the stadium. It seems the common sort of thing to do is name your stadium. But I still believe folks, people will know it as a parkhead and that'll never... Nobody will really... Uh, and now say, oh, I've got the Red Bull Arena or whatever it's got to be called. Like fans will still call it Parkhead. Yeah, it'll be maybe when you're on TV, like in Europe and stuff, it'll be shown as the Red Bull Arena. But it's just one of them. It's them. I would. I'm not. I would. I, I probably would welcome it. Yeah, if it, if there is anything in it. But I don't know if it's just there is a lot of rumours going about if people want to. Well, I'll say a lot of rumours. There just seems to be wee snippets of things coming because there was a guy last week, I think, he used to be on the board at the SBFL, I think, maybe a wee while ago now, but he said he wants to buy Celtic in the future and stuff. 
So I don't know if it's guys out with Celtic looking in are seeing that obviously Dominic Mackay's left. Uh, the boy Nicholson's came in as a, a temporary CEO, but we're not seeing anything coming out of these guys. Maybe just try it because Celtic are kind of performing not too bad. We're picking up results and fans are sort of a, not off the board's case, but they're not on it as much as they maybe just try to get it in their minds that like, there's still issues up above and it needs to be dealt with. But yeah, I'd, I'm, I'm thick on the sense, Stephen, that anybody that's wanting to invest in Celtic, I'm, I'm a wee bit, obviously within reason, a wee bit, I'm probably the main going to ignore some of their stuff, what they're all about. I know, I, I do get what you mean. And the, the guy you're alluding to there was Roger Mitchell. He was actually uh, aye, that's aye. ESPL around about the 2000 era. So he's got history within the league and he has come out and said in the future, not now, he would be interested with a bunch of investors to, to buy Celtic, that kind of thing. But the whole Red Bull thing, I think you make a great point in terms of gaming rights and things like that. And I, the same RB Leipzig, Red Bull, Red Bull Salzburg, I mean, the name's pretty clear of what they are. And <clears throat> in Germany, it caused a big uproar. William, when Red Bull got involved with um, Leipzig, they kept, sort of became the outside kind of team because they're like 50% owned by fans and RB Leipzig the only team with full investment from uh, Red Bull. But coming to what, I mean, what it could mean, hypothetically again, this is just a rumour that we're kind of feeding off in terms of what it could mean for Celtic. And pe- people need to kind of get real because Dermot Desmond, the other guy, Nick Train, who's from an investment firm, they're the two biggest shareholders within Celtic. And they're not going to be around forever. The investment firm want to make money for themselves and then they'll cut and run. Dermot Desmond's getting older in his years, unless he's thinking about handing it down within the family. But again, we've seen how disastrous that can be in terms of the Kellys when they're involved with Celtic. So I don't think that's a road many Celtic fans would want to go down in. And the, the Red Bull thing is fresh, but again, it is kind of the unknown because people are saying already that you see that the likes of comments are getting put up. This is, can never happen Celtic lose their morals, their identity of what they're from in terms of what they were built upon, William. But sometimes, just sometimes, you have to get real, I think. Yeah, it's a tough one when it comes to, to the Red Bull situation. I think if it was another billionaire owner who wanted to put all, the, all his money in, I, I love this club. And if I had the opportunity to see the best players in the world play for this club, then I'm more than all for it um, but like you have touched on I would draw the line at, at these naming if, if we had to be called Red Bull Celtic or whatever uh, I think I would have to draw the line at that um, and yeah I'm just not for that at all uh, and the stadium as well it's, I don't know it just it doesn't feel right like you said I'm not so sure I think it's a bit strong talking about like going against morals and stuff like that but I just it just wouldn't sit right with me I don't think um, if it was like hypothetically like the Newcastle situation where it was just an owner come in with a big pot of gold, then oh yeah, hundred percent. Let's see it. Let's see some of the big, big, biggest and best players come to the club. Um, that's that's football nowadays. Money is football, and we we can't compete. Uh, we've banged on about how some of the best nights of our lives watching watching our team um, is in Europe and in the Champions League against the biggest and the best and we clearly cannot compete with these guys. I mean we were punching above our weight before, but now we're we're struggling in Europa Leagues and and uh, we're nowhere near 
nowhere near the sort of teams that we were 10 years ago or, or, or plus 10 plus years ago when we were inviting the likes of Barcelona's and AC Milan's and, and, and beating them and they were scared to come to us. They're not scared anymore. We've, SPL teams aren't scared to come to our, our ground anymore. Um, investment and money is, is football nowadays. It's as much as you can put any twist you want in it. And I'm an I'm I'm old school. I'm an old romantic. I love the fact that we bring players through and the youth, and and I would love it if if these guys were capable and good enough. But that's not football nowadays. It's just money. And uh, if you want to compete at the highest level and you want to see the best of the best, you need to have money. And to do that, it seems like you need Saudi owners. So <laughs> <laughs> if it happened, then great. But yeah. To go back to this Red Bull, well, you know what I'm like with rumours and all that anyway. But uh, I, I would, I would definitely draw the line at. at do you need the two? Do you need the two bills at Saint Park? Could be a flag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would, I, I would have to draw the line at the rename and stuff. I couldn't. I'd, it would just wouldn't sit right. Well, put like this, just, just to go back to there, for example, the training ground, Lennox Town, right, as it's called at the moment. Just for mm-hmm. example. Red Bull training academy, Red Bull training ground. Would you, would you accept the likes of that? If it's yeah, like that wouldn't tree? be so bad. I don't yeah, think Red would want that. It's, it's, sta- want it's the a stadium. Yeah. stadium. It's the stadium yeah. and, the, and the team name. And uh, like, you can't touch a crest of that. That's just sacrilege. Uh, just no, do no, not no, touch the badge. Do not touch anything like that. Do not yeah. touch the name. So, uh, yeah. Like, I, would, saying, I, I would be against the naming rights of the stadium, but I can see it happening. I could see it happening. I, would, I could deal with it. I would, I'm a wee bit differ for William there I, I, I could deal with that in the sense that it's for me that's the way football's going it's like William said it's a business it's money it's a business this is this is the way Red Bull would look to make money off it by naming the stadium if you like but I personally would I wouldn't like that but it's one of the ones I would I would sort of accept it to an extent what one of the way one of the things William touched upon there and quite rightly so was that being the football romantic as you are, William, you said about the youth coming through Celtic, mm-hmm. you like to see that, like to see likes of Kieran Tierney, Sean Maloney, McGeady, that them types of players bursting through Celtic's ranks. But one thing I've noticed a trend, Francis, within the Red Bull clubs is, and it's quite easy to say as an outsider, they buy potential and sell it on for an uh, astronomical fee. And Celtic kind of do that, but to a lesser extent. Now, just for example, if the likes of Red Bull or whoever came on board, because I do believe one day it's going to happen, we're not going to be stuck with Dermot Desmond and all these randomers who own 3, 4, 5% of the Celtic Football Club. One day it's going to be revamped and it's going to be a new owner entirely. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. But if an investor came on board, regardless of who it is, if that's the kind of model that Celtic, that the sale to Celtic, is that not something you could accept in terms of, going forward and obviously for me anyway football comes at a price now regardless and you look at Newcastle again richest club in the world but it came out of nowhere that that deal was dead and the next minute it was alive again and the report in a in a matter of days and it looks like they're going to go on to buy all the best players in the world but again as William alluded to football is money I like I would I, I, I'm already William in the sense that you like you like seeing your own players coming through because you can you can relate to them. We all wish it was us. So the next the next best thing, sort of, for a fan is a homegrown player coming through and making it in the team. And that you, like we've said plenty of times, the point you you give these guys more time to sort of adapt and get into the team. And that you you feel like you're you're one of them, you're protecting them and stuff like. 
and you're proud of them, but to use the sort of Red Bull model where your Salzburgs and Leipzigs and that, the, the type of players they bring on and stuff, like the sort of philosophy is obviously it starts at Salzburg, goes on to Leipzig, then it's on to bigger and better things from there. But like, I'm not saying we've got to get your Haalands and Sabitzers and stuff like that, but if you're going to attract, you might get one or two, something like that, down the line. I mean, probably not Haaland, these players are, are, are quite rare, but some of these players that you could potentially get if you did become a sort of a in the Red Bull franchise in some way, it's, it could could make for exciting times, like even just like what William was saying in Europe and stuff, where we aren't competing where we should be competing in Europe, and you could get players that will take you back to the levels that you really should be at at Celtic. So, yeah, I'm way used to even the sense that one day, one day we will be owned by someone else. Logic would kind of tell you that would you like you said it could go down to the family would it I don't I don't believe it would so the way it is going it does seem to be corporations I feel like or I feel really lucky countries by you so I'd, I it seems somewhere down the line that it could be that sort of thing but to use the sort of Red Bull model in the sense of the way they bring players through it I think it could bring exciting times back at Parkhead. But equal could be the detriment of some homegrown talents. Well, again, the counter that argument, if we had a, a wealthy owner, regardless of yeah. if regardless of whatever franchise they're from, this is hypothetically speaking, low some Celtic fans have rolled their eyes because we've been over this before, but we would probably have the legs of John McGinn. Do you know what I mean? The legs mm-hmm. of Ivan Tony. That extra five hundred grand would be a dip in the ocean to people like that, instead of our board, William Hugh or the biscuit tin method. Who ne- it never works. The odd time to get a, a gem, but that's from previous chief scouts like John Park, who, who did a great job. But we're kind of seeing the kind of benefits of not having him now when we're getting one in about 50 players that actually hit the mark and are so long for a sizable fee. But you, you look at it as well, William. Now you, made, you made a point there in terms of like the likes of, I know you said it was harsh and morals, but along them lines of Seldiger found it on charity, that type of thing. And a lot of misconceptions is these wealthy owners come in and it's all about making money for themselves, pumping money into the club, and they leave the community behind. But I use an example of the Manchester City owners, and they built the whole community around about the Etihad, the training facilities, they've built community mm-hmm. house, they've built schools, they've built kind of park facilities, leisure centres. There is benefits to that. And if that can, can eat into the Celtic kind of model and the charity, surely that's a good thing. Yeah, I think so. Like, like I said, it's... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It depends who you get. I think if we were, if it was in an ideal world, we would all have owners like uh, uh, Leicester City, mm. who I think they're the, just the cream of the crop. They they are exactly what you're talking about about the community and and um, putting things back into the city that and and the, the, what they've done at Leicester is incredible. So uh, in an ideal world, something like that would be perfect. But yeah, like you say, like I've said, you can't do anything in football without money. And you're right about these players that we're missing out on. And not only that, I think if you look at all all the bigger names or the most successful names that have came to us in the past, I think the attraction has been the manager. And we've not been able, with all respect to Big Ange, I'm his biggest fan. I think he's <laughs> he's been great since he's came in, but is not a big name and the fact that we went through that whole summer and the names that were touted we talked we talked about it all summer eh, all all the start of the season 
uh, the tail end of last season, the fact that we couldn't attract a typical big name in inverted commas. Um, if you can't get a big name manager or somebody that's that, that, like that, then how are you meant to uh, attract big name players also? Uh, so that's another factor. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, um, for me, if investors are interested, you've got to hear them out because, uh, like I said, football is money and we're not competing at the level we should be competing at. And uh, yeah, if billionaires are wanting and are interested and we can get to see the sort of calibre of players that, I mean, these teams, look at like, Newcastle is a perfect example. Two weeks ago, they're thinking about relegation and, and they've been up and down the last 10 years or so they've been up and down relegated and now their future looks like it's like it's Man City technically yeah. and more mm-hmm. Man City however many years ago were, were in relegation were relegation battles or relegated or not even in the top league and now can you imagine that being a certain age even early age or in, the, in your 40s and uh, you've seen all that doom and gloom and the worst and you've supported your team and now, now you're seeing the best players in the world playing for your team. Uh, it's night and day. So I, if investment came along, you, you you can't ignore it. But I would say the name and rights thing uh, would stick with me. You can't change the crest. You can't change the name. Uh, that's your foundations and that's what you remember and that's, that's the club you love. So I wouldn't be wanting to change any of that stuff. But... Uh, if 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 these guys that were after Newcastle came in last week, then um, I'd be sitting here the happiest man on the planet because the future looks bright. Because at the moment we can't even attract can't even attract decent players that were or big name players. Like before this summer, the, the, the signings we've made, yeah, there's a couple of them you would have been able to name, but you, you wouldn't even I didn't know who Kyle Kyle was been an unbelievable signing. We'd have signed them for fifty million if we had to pay it. But two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, a few months ago, <laughs> I didn't know who he was. You know what I mean? So we, I, I can't remember us being linked with names that are players that you, you know of. It's always, and we've we have been like that for the last however many years, um, bringing the likes of Van Dyke in and, and then they're moving on. So it is true what you're saying, Stephen, about this model. We do do it, but it's it's to a much much smaller scale. Um, again, I like the Red Bull model and finally touching it. But Borussia are another one. They're getting the likes of Haaland and selling them on Sancho's, all the rest of it. So uh, it's a no-brainer for me. If you can get the money and you can get top, top talent and top, top players to come and, and we get to watch that week in, week out, then I don't understand why you, you would make an argument against it. No. And you can't tell me as well, I don't know what you guys' opinion are, but Newcastle, apart from the league they're in, now that's probably the only factor here, are never a bigger investment opportunity than Celtic Football Club. I, I'm not buying that. It's just no. Purely... It's, I, I think I think the reason they're targeted. It, I mean, they've already got a decent, a very, a lot beautiful stadium intact, a massive fan base, and mm-hmm. um, like historically, they're not, they're not. You know, what I mean, they're not really one. They've, they've been close, but they've not really won. I think it's just uh, the place they are as well, very central in the UK, and it's number one in the list. You're bang on, Stephen. It's it's just a league they're in. Um, we can't compete with that. Can't move leagues. So uh, the league they're in, it's it's that's where everybody wants to be. English Premier League. So I heard on a talk sport. I think it was yesterday. I was driving in the car, 
in the Premier League get eight billion pounds shared among them for a TV deal. That's absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. But look, I'm going to put you two on the spot here, okay? I'm going to come to yourself, Francis, first. Now, you're, you've been, a point, been appointed the de facto Celtic manager just for now, for the next two seconds, for however long, long it takes to answer this question. I hand you 100 million as your chairman. Two players you would bring in, who would they be? I mean, but I take it. But 100 I, million is not enough. Uh, I know. Right. Two hundred million. You're you're getting them in regardless. You're not having to worry about leagues and that. No. Two, don't worry if two hundred million. I, well, I think two hundred million gets you Mbappe and Haaland. And but well, hundred million each, no chance. Well, uh, Mbappe's at a contract at the end of the season. I would just and get Haaland. Haaland <laughs> in in the summer, you can get him for I think it's around about sixty-seven million. Granted, every man and his dog's got to be in for him. But that was my question, Stephen. There was not any connotations in that. There was, who would you get? <laughs> I was getting no competition. So I'm going for Haaland and Mbappe. William, same question to yourself. What are we going with? I, I would have to go Haaland as well. I think he's the biggest pro. I, don't, I, I still don't know why nobody paid through the nose for him this summer. Uh, he's the biggest prospect in football. He's probably the best finisher on the planet, I think. Um and he's, what, 20, 21 or something like that? Bonkers. Hi, I would have him, and I, I would have to stick De Bruyne in there as well. Even though he's aging, oh, the boy is just un, it's like he's on a different planet. He's just on a different planet. I actually went to, to Hamden uh, last year, two years ago, in the, in the qualifiers, uh, qualifiers, and the Belgium beat us 5-0. And I think De Bruyne had a hand in every goal, and for about... An hour of the game, I didn't even watch the game. I just watched him, and it was it was it's like Federer on a tennis court. He just floats about there. He's just he's on a different planet to anybody in world football. I think. Can I can so I you... change Haaland? <laughs> <laughs> like I I think Haaland's brilliant, but I, I I would have to keep him back because I just think he's the closest thing to Ronaldo, the the original one. But I would I would go and get Canty. We need a central midfielder. Remember that. You're, you're thinking with your head there like that. So I, William, I, I after that, after it was an afterthought. So that's, William, how, that's how I've not got two hundred million. <laughs> you're going with Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, he's at least went midfield as well. I am going Canty and Mbappe. Although I think Haaland's a bigger prospect and probably scored more goals. I just I, Mbappe reminds me uh, Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, and that's I just love him for that. I would have to bench Haaland and give him 20 minutes a game because you're not, you're not taking Kyogo off. Oh, yes. so had, back up. Back up. Mbappe could have been a new Jedi. But, I mean, <laughs> in, a, in a world like that, could you imagine waking up with Celtic fans and signing news and signing, signing players? Like that? And the, fact, the, fact that the fact that we're speaking about 200 million only being able to afford you two world-class players, that's uh, crazy. Does, it doesn't even get you that. A Real Madrid offered two hundred million for Mbappe in the window oh, there, and they rejected it. And he's out of contract next year. This shows how much money PSG's got here that they can do that. World's oh, got nuts, man. And our transfer budget for a whole year is probably about fifteen million quid. So that's the the parameters that we kind of have to deal in. And yeah. people be probably wonder why we spoke about that. But again, it's the investment that I think Celtic deserve, and I think it's going to happen. And I think we need to kind of wake up to that, as we spoke about. These guys like Desmond and Lowell as a shareholder won't be around forever. And eventually, as I said, a new owner will come in. <laughs> Whenever that'll be, who knows? 
we're just talking in terms of that kind of the players we could bring in with that kind of investment. But the move back on the club matters and things that it is quite pressing. Obviously, the restructure that we were promised still hasn't happened, albeit McElhone has come in as the head of sports science after Jack Naylor left about two years ago. So we've managed to replace one position. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the likes of um, a director of football that we've been kind of been promised as well, the head of recruitment, there's still nobody there. Posta Coglu still doesn't have a nailed on assistant manager. I mean, Kennedy's there, but again, no one knows his title. That hasn't been confirmed. And Michael Nicholson, the new chief executive, taking over from Danny Mackay, hasn't spoken a word to the Celtic fans. So he's promoted within, and many believe he was Peter Law's kind of puppet. So that doesn't bode well for me. But coming to your, yourself there, William, first on this, this restructuring thing that we were kind of promised when that whole ma- the fan press conference, Dominic Mackay saying Celtic need to be world class, Celtic need to be this, blah, blah, blah. It hasn't happened. He's moved on. We'll never know the reasons why. But do you think again the Celtic fans have been sold down a river by the board? Uh, in a word, yes. Um, we were all excited start of the year when, um, start of the season, I should say, when, when Don Mackay was... Um, and in these press conferences you're alluding to, and he, he was he was our messiah, if you like, and he, he was going to turn out the club uh, <clears throat> from bottom to top. And him and Postacoglu's relationship, they seemed like they were on the same page, and everything was moving forward. And at that point, we thought, and we'll get some backroom staff in, and we'll, and we'll fill these positions that head of recruitments and everything. And now we're, it's just a mess. We're in a worse place than we were before. Before um, Ange and stuff came came through, when it, with regards to the, the upstairs and, and the backroom staff. So, um, I mean, you've got this guy coming in from another side of the world. Uh, he's he's been fantastic for us, he's, and and the pressers is great. But I mean, I don't understand. Imagine the pressure that he's feeling under now, especially. With Dom going, uh, with Mackay going and stuff like that, it's just, it's just an absolute mess, an absolute catastrophe. It's, it's a dog's dinner. But I mean, when you, when, when I heard Mackay went, it wasn't even a shock because nothing this board does now, and like obviously we can speculate, and I don't know what happened, but um, even if you take the Mackay situation out of the, out of the fold, it's oh, the head of recruitments and. The backroom staff and that we're still not got and we're months and months um, into the season from where we were. This should have all been even before all the house stuff started. This should have all been sorted. This because and and with regards to the whole, we were we were talking about and the rumours were director of football for months and months. We've still not seen anything with regards to that either. It's just and but it's it's got to the point now that you're. <laughs> You're not even shocked or surprised. It's just an acceptance and just like, um, just hopefully the boys keep doing it on the pitch and and all that stuff. Uh, I'll come to fruition afterwards and, and sort itself out. Um, the main things, the gaffer and and what's happening on the pitch and hopefully he gets a bit more back in in January because I still think we need it. Still think we need strengthening. Um, if they keep doing the business, then I'm hoping all that other stuff will take care of itself. But yeah, it's just it's difficult to even comment on because it is just such a mess. And a word for me, it's an absolute disgrace, William. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, the most pressing thing here, the only change that we can see physically 
is Postacoglu. And for me, that's mental. I still don't understand the fact that he hasn't been allowed at the same kind of things that we're going to give Eddie Howe in terms of bringing in people. Is it even one guy as an assistant? Do you know what I mean? I feel like for him, Francis, it must be very lonely when he when he looks around because Dominic McKay's left and William made a great point. It seemed like them two were on the same page, that they were talking about the same things, they were going forward together and we were led to believe that we're working on transfers and stuff from day one when he came in. And Dominic McKay leaves, fair enough. Michael Nicholson comes in, promoted within. Again, it's the same old authority figures there. You've got Ian Banky or his chairman. There was rumours he was meant to be stepping down, but again, that didn't come to fruition. And it's as, as William said, it, it's, it's mental the fact that a club like Celtic has no structure behind the scenes and they're purely relying on the fact that Celtic, as a club, the football players on the pitch, can get them through this. Otherwise, it'll just be another disaster of a season, in all, in all honesty. Well, fingers crossed it's not a disaster, but... William I mean, off, used, yeah, off the pitch. Yeah, William used a really good word, and I'm probably guilty of it. It's just the situation as a whole, above, like, in boardroom, like the back room, is acceptance. I think a big part of the Celtic fan base, and I include myself in that, I've kind of just accepted this is how it is at Celtic. That we don't hear from the board. I'm not saying Celtic fans are entitled to hear from the board. We can ask questions. It's on the board to to answer them if they choose. But just the whole, the way things seem to be run, it's, we have have accepted it. it. And it's, I think that is maybe one of the biggest problems. The board they know that you'll get fans, you'll get podcasts and stuff. Some of them will bring it up and uh, discuss it and maybe uh, and sort of air their views at how they discuss, but it's not enough to sort of get a movement, I feel like, to get enough sort of back and to get change. But uh, it's, the like, it's just, uh, it's, it's not good. It doesn't look good. Obviously, Don McKay leaves so early in his, his tenure on the face of it he was doing everything right like we we hanged on every every last word for him believed it all it was and by all accounts it could have been it could have been doing it, all this stuff maybe was none of his doing how we're Celtic car maybe he was doing a really poor job I, I doubt it it didn't seem that way and uh, maybe the board said that you need to go, it's not working, but the way the board dilly-dallied with Eddie Howe and stuff, I don't believe that's the case, that they would they would move so quickly to dispose of uh, Dominic Kaya. things aren't going the way they would hope it. I, I truly believe he was trying to make a change that they weren't comfortable with, it was so drastic I believe, it didn't look at the time, but I think he was trying to do things, and I, just going by the historics of the board, I just, I think he was maybe wanting to make too much a change, try and modernise it maybe too much. He might have been looking into the whole getting investment type things in. And like the fan pressures have, have since stopped, I believe. They don't get them as much now anyway. So that you can clearly see that was a done thing. And I just, and to touch on Poster Cogler as well, I, like if he's got to be getting his own backroom stuff, why was the use international break to get guys in? It's, you could have got some of his stuff in because a lot of the 
the sort of the quarantine has been lifted in certain places and stuff. So he could have had guys in and just helped him on the training ground for for ten days in this international break because it's it'll be hard for him to sort of get his message across. But if you've got one or two other guys that are fully committed to Postecoglou, that's another two or three voice, uh, one or two voices telling the team this is what we want to do and stuff. So. I'm hoping he's not sort of agreed in the terms of, of like what Lennon was, where Lennon just accepted that he was got to be the manager. And I hope Postecoglou's not seen it as we all know he was obviously Australian manager. He's had big jobs in the past, but in Europe, it's like as a club Celtic are massive. And I'm hoping he's not just accepted it on their terms. And I'm not to just believe that Postecoglou's still just he's still got. Kennedy and Strachan on trial, so to speak, but it's, it seems a strange one that he's not got any got anyone in, but I think it just goes back to that word that William is accepting, so a lot of the fan base, myself, as I've said, myself included, have just accepted the way Celtic seem to run things, and I think that's their, their downfall, and it's a lot it's coming to roost now, I think. I think no, I promise, like a whole restructure, right? It's like, you can't just change the manager. No. Just the manager, well, the, 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 no backroom staff like player, talking. Player aside, William, the, who, the only, and, only new face we've got is Postacoglu, really. Yeah. All the upstairs, like it's like anything in any business or any, you see in committees in your local council and stuff like that as well, you, sometimes it just needs new, fresh ideas to come in. And mm. when there's no restructure at the top, because there's not, it's all the same people that are there, there's not gonna, nothing's going to change. The only thing that has changed is the manager. No backroom staff, just the manager, and obviously a turnaround in players. And by the way, in my opinion, we've got a weaker squad this season than we did last season. Last season, we should have won everything because it's the same squad that won treble after treble, and we didn't. Um, so all this positivity and we're moving forward and Celtics this and that and, and restructure, we're all getting excited at the start of the season. We're in a worse place now than we were last year. Yes, we've got a better manager. Um, I th- I think we've got a we- I feel we've got a weaker squad, and it's still all those I hate what I'm saying. All these idiots up the stair, um, controlling things with the uh, using using people as pawns. It needs ripped out from the top, new people in like Mackay. I was I'm I'm devastated he's gone because uh, his enthusiasm got me excited and. And the stuff he was talking about and his ideas and what he was looking to do moving forward was very exciting. And the fact that he's looking at other models and it's not just us being dinosaurs, which I feel like a lot of the board are dinosaurs resting on our laurels thinking, I don't need to splash cars or I don't need to do this. We're going to win league after league every season anyway, which is what happened last year. Resting on our laurels because we've been so successful. That same team will, I'll just win everything. It's not a... Uh, Players don't come stagnant. I've said that a hundred times before. Alex Ferguson was the best at it. He could see it coming. Uh, he made big decisions. He got rid of big players because he could see, uh, no, not our board. We'll just, we'll just, everything's rosy. Why touch something? Why? It's no broken. Don't, don't try and fix it. No, you need to move with the times. You need to have a structure. You need to have ideas in place. You need to have a five-year plan. We've not even got a fucking two-month plan because... As soon as Lennon had gone, 
there was no I there was no plan whatsoever. We were we were all stuck on in, in a rut in the same position for months and months on end. And it's just it's just this whole resting on our laurels thing. And it is it is an acceptance now. We're just like and, and this is why when you talk about these people new people coming in and, and investment, you get excited because you want rid of this I don't even know how to explain it. It's rot that's rotten us from inside out in the club. And it's 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 just it's horrible to see. And uh, I'm not big on the politics and that side, <laughs> as you could probably tell. Uh, but I, I, I'm the football man. I just want to see my team playing football. But when you hear these, you hear all these stories and you hear what's going on and then you start to see it and you start to look into it, it's, it's hard to, to look away from it. Uh, I mean, as long as these clowns are in charge, we're not going to move forward and there's not going to be progression. Uh, and like I say, I think we're in I think we're in a worse spot now than we have been in a long, long time. And that's including the tail end of last season when we had a disaster. You talk about progression, William. It's like we won nine titles in a row, which is fantastic. We, we used to have been light years ahead of our nearest rivals and look how quick they've turned that round. Exactly. This is that, that's got to light guys that are that are up above. For however long, for for the third title, it was all about ten in a row. It shouldn't have been. It should have been about fifteen, twenty in a row. It uh, should have been about that. That was chance. the holy grail. It should have been no. Let's let's bury everybody in this league and oh, the perfect let's, opportunity. let's dominate. And it's 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 like I go back again, resting on our laurels. Uh, um. And this goes back to the, like, we've talked about it for years and years about making certain signings, like you've said, McGinn's and all the rest of it. It's a matter of why should we splash the cash because we're going to win the league every season anyway. Well, I hate to tell you, but we're not um, because we've seen the struggles already this season. And as much as we're all enthusiastic and we want to see us do well, this squad is looking very thin and without investment, without a vision, without progression, uh, who's to say football's football's a, a very tough sport? Uh, it, it can change in the drop of a hat. You can be top of the world one day and then the next day you're not. Uh, you look at other clubs. Man my, my United have only won a league title in, since Alex Ferguson was in charge. Uh, you need people at the top that know what they're doing and have a, a clear plan. It's not just about what's happening today and tomorrow. It's about what's happening in five, ten years' time. And that's not happening because we've got dinosaurs upstairs and uh, they're just sitting in their heated seats in the executive street watching every game. Uh, fucking just give it, to, give the club to somebody who is passionate about us and wants us to do something. Yeah, I, I mean, I could listen to you guys speak back and forth there. All, <laughs> I thought you all made great, great points. And one thing I want to say, you made a great point, Francis, in terms of Rangers catching us up. And in that short space of time, when they get back in the league, I believe Celtic are the, like they were when they first come up in terms of the squad and in terms of the depth. And William says our squad's light, and it really is. And you look around in the league, Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, albeit we beat them, Motherwell as well, they've made a great start. They've all beefed up their, their squad, and do you know what I mean? They're starting at Evans, some Hearts and Hibs especially. They're, they're at the top end of the league, and we're sitting sick when that should be us up there. And we're kind of battling to get up to the top or end of the table, and it's it's absolutely crazy. And you, you look at the, the boardroom level, Ian Bankier, um, Peter Law is still there. As a, I don't know what he's doing, but he's he's a shareholder. They've got Michael Nicholson, and they're they're all the pro and Sammy's brigade. And 
as William said, they're sitting in them seats, clapping and cheering when it suits them. But seeing the pressure's on, they shit themselves and put fences around Celtic Park. And that's the that's the kind of the harsh reality of it. When the Celtic fans try to protest, they were lambasted, they were they were condoned, they were called everything. And albeit I, I didn't agree with obviously the the kind of throwing stuff and that Ross County game. That that shouldn't have happened. But a protest against the board at any club is allowed to happen. We've seen it, the likes of Blackpool down in England, Newcastle as well with Meg Ashley. Why is it so bad when Celtic fans will have voiced an opinion against the regime the, the regime they're under? I don't understand it. The, the way them fences around Celtic Park, it was a total disgrace. The fans were alienated. And the only person that's brought us together, as you guys say, is Postacoglu. Otherwise, it'd be the same old. And that's quite scary because we've sold out season tickets again. We've sold them out last year when no fans were in the stadium. And what are the board giving us, William? It's, it's, it's a bit, as I said there at the start, they have sold us out, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about them. It's, just, <laughs> it's, like, it's the most frustrating thing. Uh, and I can understand what Newcastle fans felt about Mike Ashley because uh, I feel in the same boat ourselves. And a lot of people will think, oh, you lose a few games and you think you can protest or moan or whatever. But it's not just about that. It's 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 just the way the club's been run and, and however long. Uh, you talk about our history and like the charity and, and, and all that sort of stuff. This board doesn't scream anything like that. And they haven't done for a long time. No, I think it's time for a, a fresh change. And the reason why I give that to you, when I wanted to join in a freeway conversation there, but surely... <laughs> <laughs> Just be next time. You're the new Delhi Jew. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> no, but look again. We all have our opinions on the board. Many Sally fans. It's all divided. We all have different opinions, and that's all welcome. So that's fair enough. But we'll move on to back to the game again at Fair Park on Saturday, and we'll kind of round up the show with a with a score prediction, lineup prediction. I think we used to before this international break came. It feels like a long time. But coming to yourself, Francis. Lineup prediction first before we go on to the scores. Uh, well, I think. Uh, the back, the back four picks itself. Well, Hartland goes in. Uh, I think Ralston will come, will play, but I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm basing that on. I don't know where Juranovic is on his fitness. I don't know if he's fit. If, if he's fit, he plays. And then it'll be Starfield, uh, Carter, Vickers. I think Montgomery will come in. Uh, I say come in, keep his place. Uh, the midfield. I would stick with Beaton just on his performance against Aberdeen. I don't. I think he added balance into the midfield, so it worked. Uh, then obviously McGregor and and Tumble will play, and then you've also got Yota, uh, Abada, and Kyogo up front. So no, no real surprises for me, Stephen. I don't think. And your score prediction? I'm going to go for a comfy, no drama free two 0 Oh, very nice. What, what about yourself, William? Line up first. I think we'll line up the exact same way we played against Aberdeen. So, uh, the, the same lineup. Although St- Starfelt still uh, hasn't proven himself worthy for me, um, I think if anything, he's he's a glorified beat on at the back. Oof. <laughs> I, think Oof. I talk about talk about the press and stuff like that, and which is great. Um, but he's not the man for that. I, I feel like he just. It's so easy for a, a, a an attacker just to, to pin them in and, and just turn Roll. them, and then and and then they've got forty yards to run into towards the goal because he's he's diving into tackles. Um, and and I feel so sorry for Welsh because I don't think he's put a foot wrong, and I, I don't think he did before. 
the only reason Starfield's playing for me is because Postacoglu's had to shell out money for him and he can't mm-hmm. not play him. I agree with that. So, I, but I think he will play him. Uh, yeah. yeah, the midfield three, I thought Beaton did, did fairly well uh, against Aberdeen and we do need that protection. I think Franny's touched on that a few times. I think McCarthy is going to be that man at some point, but he's obviously still not up to match fitness or God knows whatever it is. Because I think if you're a professional football player, um, you should be fit enough to play. <laughs> if you're training, training however many times a week, you should be fit enough to play football games. Anyway, um, uh, McGregor and Turnbull again. I think Cal Mack's been an absolute. I think giving him the captaincy is just a new lease of life in him. I think he's been absolutely tremendous this year, and for Scotland as well, he's been. An, he's just an absolute warrior, and 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 I like. The fact I touched on it before when we were, we talked about Rogic coming in, and I, as, as, even though he did a, a superb job in the number six, he's a number eight all day long, and he, he gives us and, we, and he's our he's our legs, he's our machine, he's he's everything revolves around him in the middle of the park. So he needs to be that box to box at number eight, um, and uh, the front three is has got to be Yota Abad and, and Kyogo. They've been fantastic this year, so. Uh, I think you'll go with the same as Aberdeen. I wouldn't. I would play Welsh at centre half instead of Starfield, but it's not going to happen. So yeah, that'd be the same one, but I don't think it'll happen. What about scores, William? Uh, I'll go three one. Three one. Three one. So two 0 on the three one. I mean, my line is going to sound a bit left field here, but I'm going to go Hart, Juranovic, Carter, Victor, Starfield, Montgomery, only because Scales had to do that travelling, so I don't think he'll be he'll be starting that. A midfield free of Beaton, McGregor, Kyogo was the number 10 off the front, and the front free as Jada on the left, Giamakis to get his first start for physical presence of Park Park up front. Bold. Bold. On the right. That's what bold I like. It is bold. bold. But the fact is, I spoke about it in the last year, I want to see that partnership to see if it can be anything. Mm-hmm. And Kyogo can play across the front, and the number 10 rule might suit him running from deep, making them runs in behind. But Again, it's my my lineup. It won't happen. I'm not. I'm not paying the big. <laughs> I mean, as you guys say, they're Welsh. I think he's been dealt with harshly. I think he probably should have kept his place above Starfelt. But again, the money spent on him, he kind of needs to start. And when Julian comes back, that'll be an interesting kind of tussle there to see he'll get the, the starting eleven place. But my score prediction, I'll go with a two-one to Celtic, and I'll go with the goal scorers as Kyogo getting one. And McGregor getting the other. And just briefly come to you guys. William, what's your goal scores? Uh, Kyogo will get two and Abada. And, and yourself? Kyogo, and I think I think Yota's got to score one that will not hit the bar this time. He's got to score a screamer that will not hit the bar. <laughs> well, look, guys, that brings us to the end of the show. I mean, it's been a great show. Club football's back. Have you enjoyed this one? That's been brilliant. Been brilliant. Ah, good to have, good to have William back as well. But similar to last year with the board back. <laughs> but we, we got there and uh, it's been good. Well, look, it's been a great show nonetheless. And to everyone who's listening, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.